Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Welcome to the Daily Chop. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your day. Good morning and hope that you're having a fantastic Friday. This is the Daily Chop, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves via the Talking Chop Podcast Network. Of course, you could find all the podcast selections from Talking Chop, plus all the great content overall from Talking Chop at TalkingChop.com and at Talking Chop across all forms of social media. Again, my name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here is the latest from Atlanta. So coming into Thursday afternoon, the Braves were looking to get another series sweep and win their eighth game in nine days. And they had, obviously, quite a bit of momentum coming off Wednesday night in which the Braves had their best day of the year. Of course, a heroic walk-off off the bat of Ozzy Albies, and in the process, the Braves were able to gain a piece of the NL East division lead with the tie at the top with the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, unfortunately, Thursday did not have the same positivity in store as Wednesday did. The Braves got a bit of an unfortunate reminder that much of the season is still left. A 12-3 loss to the Reds. No need to really go into the details. It was over pretty early. A grand slam off the bat of Jesse Winker. Another three-run homer off the bat of Tyler Nyquin. Though Ozzy Albies did hit, hit his 20th home run of the year, it simply was a game in which the Braves were out of it early. The Reds were able to take advantage using the long ball, and they were able to win. They were able to earn a 12-3 win. Obviously, the game itself is certainly unfortunate. That certainly is even more of the case when you consider the fact that the Phillies were able to beat the Dodgers and the Mets were able to beat the Nationals twice in a doubleheader. And in what is going to likely be a frequent scenario among the Phillies, Mets, and Braves, a day after the Braves on Wednesday gained a piece of the top, at the top of the NLEs in first place, they now find themselves this morning actually in third place, but only a game behind. Right now the Phillies are in first place, the Mets are half a game behind, and the Braves are a game behind. And that's what occurs when you have these tight division races. It's just a reminder that much of the season is still left, and the fact is is that though each game can change the standings frequently, at the end of the day, it's winning as many games as possible. And that's exactly what the Braves have recently done, sweeping the Cardinals on their own in St. Louis, coming back and being able to take two out of three over the weekend against the Nationals. And though Thursday's game was disappointing, it still certainly was a positive development development for the Braves to take two out of three from a fellow playoff hopeful in the Cincinnati Reds. But while the result of the game obviously did not go as planned, the more significant development probably was the fact that how, in terms of who pitched in Thursday's game. Now, the pitching performances were not great at all. Both Kyle Muller and, and Josh Tomlin struggled mightily. But the reason why that was significant is because it pretty much put made it clear as to who the two pitchers are likely going to be that will be removed from the roster in Atlanta to make room for Waskar Yanoa 
and Ian Anderson. As a matter of fact, one move has already been made. After the game, the Braves did announce that they were optioning Kyle Muller back to Gwinnett. And the thing about it is this. Kyle Muller said it himself. Baseball is a business, and he certainly has struggled as of late. Now, it should be, you know, let's put it into context. So far this season, Kyle Muller has been an absolute revelation for the Braves. When Waskar Yanoa and Ian Anderson went down with injuries, Kyle Muller stepped up to the plate and delivered and consistently put, well, despite yesterday's start, he consistently put the Braves in a position to win. And he did so by pitching very well, better than anybody could have expected, through his first five or six starts. Unfortunately, over the past two starts, he really has struggled when it came to the location of his fastball. Likely a mechanic issue, but he certainly was not the same pitcher, and it showed yesterday. It's just hard to rely on a rookie who you know is going through some mechanical issues. It's hard to rely on them every fifth day in the middle of a division race. So obviously, Kyle Muller has been great, but it also makes sense. He is the most sensible option in terms of the starting rotation to send back down to Gwinnett to make room for what likely will be Waskar Yanoa, and that will allow for Muller to go back work off the positives that he showed in Atlanta, and then get get himself right. It may not be at any point in time this season that he'll return, but he certainly can build off this performance and be ready for next season if that's when he returns to Atlanta and be even better and more consistent. Obviously, with Josh Tomlin, he certainly has continued to regress in terms of his effectiveness, and it simply seems as if he is the most expendable piece of the bullpen right now. Though, obviously, you love the idea of him in mop-up duty. He did exactly what he was supposed to do today, though the Braves did get blown out. They were able to avoid using any of their main relievers, Kyle Muller, Josh Tomlin, A.J. Minter came in. Another po- uh, One positive from this game was that A.J. Minter went two innings and got three strikeouts over those two innings, but none of the Braves' main relievers were used, so they got a day of rest. But at the end of the day, with Kyle Muller already being optioned, and Josh Tomlin likely the most sensible guy to then remove from the roster when Ian Anderson is ready to come back, that means that the Braves have now found the best way to bring Yanoa and Anderson back, plus it likely also means that there's a chance for Tuki to to perhaps be moved to the bullpen in time as well. So obviously not the result that the Braves wanted, but there also it also was made clear as to which pitchers should be moved on from to make room for Yanoa and Anderson. And also there was certainly the encouraging outing from A.J. Mentor, who hopefully will continue to build trust and provide depth as being another arm the Braves can use in high leverage situations moving forward. A negative outcome when it came to the result of the game, but overall one that you just simply put in the past, move on from, and get ready for a great opportunity to really make up some more ground in the NL East race this weekend against the Nationals. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. The Braves enter today having won seven out of their last nine over the past two weeks, making up three games 
in the division race and seeing and now currently sit, though they're in third place in the NL East, they're only one game out of the division lead. And after a very productive homestand, the Braves now embark on a nine-game in 10-day road trip that is a very, very critical stretch of the remainder of their season. The reason why is not like it was against the Phillies and the Mets, but the fact that the Braves will be on the road in Washington, Miami, and Baltimore. It's an opportunity for the Braves to continue to make up even more ground in the NL East as just straightforward they're going to be facing three teams that the Braves are more talented than. The Braves should at least win each of these next three series with the hope of maybe getting a few series sweeps in the process. But of course that's much easier said than done and obviously you never want to assume anything when it comes to Major League Baseball. However, the opportunity starts in Washington over the weekend. And just last weekend, the Braves took two out of three from the Nationals when the Nationals visited Truist Park. And the other really good thing about this um, series setup in Washington is the fact that the Braves will go to their reliable trio of Charlie Morton, Max Freed, and Drew Smiley. Yes, I'm saying reliable and Drew Smiley in the same sentence. The Braves will go to those three pitchers Morton going tonight, Freed going on Saturday, and Smiley going on Sunday. The thing about it is, is that for the Nationals, after their doubleheader against the Mets on Thursday, actually only Josiah Gray is who the Nationals have committed to as being the available pitcher for Friday's game. On Gray, it'll be interesting to see who the Nationals slate to start in Saturday and Sunday's game. Could one of them even be a bullpen game? We certainly will find out here in the near future. But two key things that stand out for the Braves. Again, with how consistent the starting rotation has been, and the fact that, you know, you've got Morton, Freed, and Smiley going in this series, you have to feel very confident in all three of these games that the Braves have the starting pitching advantage. And when it comes to the offense, you certainly have to hope that they will continue to find ways to score early. When the Braves score early, and I know that this can be said about any team, but if, as the Braves have continued to get more consistent scoring early, obviously the results speak for themselves with how much they're winning right now and plus the ground that they made up in the NL East. That's a big development from this series. And overall, I think is going to be a theme on this road trip for Atlanta's offense. How often can they score early and how frequently can they score early? If they can do that on a consistent basis, this should be a pretty successful road trip. But obviously the even bigger story than that is how the bullpen will align itself as time goes on. Obviously, the recent struggles of Will Smith certainly stand out. He blew a save, obviously, last Saturday against the Nationals, and though he blew a save on Wednesday, thankfully the Braves were able to come back and win. But could we see roles reverse? Could we see Brian Snicker start to use his better arms in more high-leverage situation, uh, situations against the opposition opposition's better best bats, no matter the situation? Those type of things could certainly be something to keep an eye on, but at the end of the day, the effectiveness of the Braves' bullpen could be a huge theme in and of itself because if they can get back to being reliable, that could allow for this Braves' team to go through another stretch in which they can win seven out of nine games on this road trip. The Braves' offense scoring early and how effective the bullpen will be and especially the utilization of some of the arms, such as A.J. Minter, that will certainly be two themes to watch, not only this weekend, but as the rest of this road trip happens. Obviously, a great opportunity lies in front of Atlanta. The key, though, is taking it one game at a time, playing to their potential. And if they can do that, 
you have to feel confident that they're going to keep on winning at a very nice pace and hopefully start to really be able to find themselves at the top of the NL East division for a good stretch of time. And if they can get past this manageable road trip by winning six or seven or more of these games, that could really put them in a position of confidence as they run into a rougher part of the schedule at the end of August into early September. And another fun note from Thursday, Ryan Cusick, the Braves' 2021 first-round draft pick, made his debut for the Atlanta Braves. Three innings and seven strikeouts. His fastball got up to 97 miles an hour. A really impressive debut for Ryan Cusick. Obviously, his fastball, you know, you could already potentially say it may be one of the best fastballs in the Braves system. Maybe not want to go too, that far, but that's the intriguing thing that stands out about him. Certainly a really fun start to his professional career. And though it's not Braves related, I also want to give a quick shout out to Major League Baseball. Last night was the, was the inaugural Field of Dreams Classic between the Yankees and the White Sox. It had been planned for last year. Unfortunately, did not occur due to COVID. But Major League Baseball absolutely hit a home run. No pun intended. Well, pun fully intended. With this idea, it was an absolutely magical setup. Just a great night overall. Really, really nostalgic feeling for generations that enjoyed the movie Field of Dreams, but also a new generation that's being introduced to an all-time sports classic. Great job to MLB Baseball and to all those who were involved on pulling off the Field of Dreams classic. Hopefully, it'll become an annual event that all teams can enjoy. I want to remind you that you can find all the great podcasts from the Talking Chop Podcast Network at TalkingChop.com and wherever you can find your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen, that's where we will be. Make sure you review, subscribe, let us know what you think of the show. We always want to provide content that is relevant to our listeners' preferences. Of course, the Daily Hammer, hosted by myself. You have the Road to Atlanta podcast, hosted by talents such as Eric Cole, Garrett Spain, and Matt Powers, and of course, the Talking Chop podcast itself, hosted by Brad Rowland and Scott Coleman. Once again, you can find all the great written work and content from Talking Chop dot at from Talking Chop at talkingchop.com and at Talking Chop across all forms of social media. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Hope you have a fantastic Friday, a wonderful weekend, and thank you so much for joining us, uh, joining us on this latest edition of The Daily Hammer. We'll talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva.